Hi, and welcome to That's Anita Live. I am here today with Sharon Austin, advocate against domestic violence, Power Woman Speaks. Thank you for coming, Sharon. Thank you for having me. So happy to be here. Your story is extraordinary. So I I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. I mean, people tell us a lot that have our backgrounds that it's amazing to look at us today versus what we went through. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You had the experience of your dad actually murdering your mom. Mm -hmm. And your brother and yourself, aunts, grandmother, were all present for mm -hmm. the event. Yes, they were. Let's start with, tell me the first memory you have of your mom and dad, because it didn't start there. A lot of people think, why do people stay in domestic violence relationships? But there's always love in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So give me your first memory of family. Well, my first memory as far as my mom and my dad were concerned, unfortunately, it was of domestic violence. Okay. I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's house. She was my, my mother's mother. Yes. So you know, grandma, they always there. So for me, whenever my dad was around, it was domestic violence, unfortunately, that I witnessed as a little girl growing up. As far as my mom is concerned, my first memories of my mom is just her touching me and just really trying to protect us. And those memories always stayed with me because my mom was a very sort of reserve type woman, very attractive woman, but she was very loving and she loved her family and she loved my father and she really wanted to have an intact family. Because that's one of the first things that came across when I read your book. Mm -hmm. There's power in adversity, yes. Elizabeth's daughter. Yes. That's, one of, that's, that's what came across to me first mm -hmm. was the love mm -hmm. that you felt in the family unit that you were in. Mm -hmm despite the tragedy, and I'm so glad you said that because writing this book, it was not easy, but it was necessary and needed to be done, and it was much bigger than me because I really believe that we all have a story to tell. You don't necessarily have to go and write a book about your right, particular right. story, but I do believe when we have certain experiences, certain tragedies, or go through certain adversities, that we ought to share that because it can help someone else. And quite frankly, it helps me whenever I do share it or whenever I do talk about it. So let's start with the evening of the event, mm -hmm. right? Because your family had gathered. Yes. And was in excited. There yeah. was a new baby in the family. And I don't want to give too much away because I do outline everything is, is very specific. I mean, I even remember the color of the blanket that my new baby cousin was wrapped in yes. on the bed, mm -hmm. the French glass doors in those old Harlem apartments, what they looked like. But yeah, that was typical. We always gathered at Nana's. And that particular night, we just were excited, looking forward to going to Nana's and having a new baby. My other little cousin, she was about like a little bit over a year old. So it was a very, very festive and happy night. And my father wasn't around. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so then it, so, it changed. So you, so you were really relaxed. I was, and I was happy. I was always happy when I was at Nana's house. Now, how old were you? 
at that time, yes. I was like about six going on seven. I was brother? actually seven. My brother was six because we're 13 months apart. Okay. So I was actually seven years old. But prior to that night, I had witnessed domestic violence. I was actually born into it as I stayed in my book. Mm -hmm. So I had witnessed it pretty often, except for the times we were over my grandmother's house. And that was like a relief for me because at my Nana's, I was safe. Okay. I had a lot of fun there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She mm -hmm. really did her best to provide a good life for us despite the domestic violence that was happening. So what gave you that tense feeling whenever your father was around? You, you, it's, you just don't know what's gonna happen. It's, it's unpredictable. You feel anxious, you feel a little nervous. And I was afraid of him, you know? There were a lot of things, obviously, I didn't understand and I didn't know because I was a child. I was a little girl, I was a child. But I knew I didn't feel right. Something was not right. And I didn't feel safe sometimes. And this language didn't come to me until much later on when I grew up okay. and started realizing things and talking with my aunt who is now passed away, but she was actually a therapist. She was a, a social worker, certified social worker. She was very helpful and instrumental in my life growing up to help me really process the things that I experienced and what I was going through. But it was just that feeling of just feeling anxious, not knowing what to expect. And it's just not a great feeling. And as a matter of fact, when I was doing research for my book, mm -hmm. that's exactly what the research said about children who witness domestic violence. You feel uneasy, you, you feel powerless. You don't know how to really express what's going on. You know it's not right and it doesn't feel good. And during that time, that was the norm. Like, I've witnessed other people hit their girlfriends or their wives like right out on the streets of Harlem, get the heck over here or that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But it, I knew that it wasn't normal and it wasn't right. Before, and it just made me sad. So before the night, what was, I guess, the most traumatic thing you had seen, whether it was in your family or in the neighborhood? One time my father came over to get my mom and we were going to stay at Nana's because as I said we usually would be at Nana's mm -hmm. he tried to push my mother out the window okay. she came to the door they were talking we were inside playing at Nana's my mother was out in the hallway all of a sudden we we hear my mother screaming I don't know how he managed to get her up to the next landing because this is outdoor there was a row of steps that led to a window and my grandmother ran out, another neighbor I believe came out and we heard my mother screaming and she was holding on to like the railing like for dear life. He was literally, literally trying to push my mom out of the window. I just cannot tell you, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like how do you process something like that? How do you deal with that? So that was like, a really, really major traumatic experience for me, although I had been witnessing domestic abuse and just the yelling and the screaming. When he wasn't around, everything was calm. My mom would be in, in the kitchen cooking. She had her own apartment. They had their own apartment together. They were young, they were young. So when- they got together right out of high school. Exactly. Exactly. So when we were at our Bronx apartment and he wasn't around, I felt relaxed. I would be playing with my Thumbelina doll, my brother would have his, we'd be doing something, my mom would be in the kitchen cooking, mm -hmm. and 
it was just such a great feeling because I would just look at my mom because she was so beautiful to me, chocolate brown, beautiful skin, mm -hmm. thick black, like shoulder length hair. Yeah. And I, I was just happy. I was so happy. So that night of the event, the family had gathered, mm -hmm. aunts, cousins, mm -hmm. new baby in the family. Yes. Music was playing. Mm -hmm. You were at Nana's we were house. Having so much fun. And then there was a knock at the door. Exactly. And we all wondered, well, who is that? Because pretty much everyone that was supposed to be there that night had arrived. We thought, oh, maybe that's a neighbor or another friend. And it was him. We heard his voice. And right away, you know, I just tensed up. So my grandmother just said, you know, we don't want any trouble tonight. I won't say his name. We don't want any trouble tonight. She let him in and just, things just sort of escalated. He was arguing with my mom in the kitchen and one thing led to another. And next thing you know, he just started stabbing my mom. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it was, it, I can't even put into words. I tried to share as much as I possibly could in the book because mm -hmm. I think it's really important to be explicit. Yes, because it Tell it gives the details so you can visualize mm -hmm. everything in your mind when you read it because I really wanted to take people with me on this journey mm -hmm. because I wanted to drive home what domestic violence is, what it can do and how it can escalate because I don't know if you recall back in, I believe it was like 1994, 1995, a very famous ex-football player, I won't say his name, he was accused of killing his wife, he was accused of domestic violence, and what really stayed with me from witnessing that incident from this very famous ex-football player was that a lot of um, the news reports that were coming out and even people from our very own community and other people, they were coming to his defense. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, he didn't kill her just because he beat her and some people didn't believe that he was a domestic abuser and they were saying things like, well, it doesn't lead to killing anyone. Yes. And I, I, I was just baffled by that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people that were talking about it and I'm talking about journalists professional people that were actually having these conversations they they didn't know what they were talking about people can only talk people can only process trauma to the extent of their own maturity yeah so if they can't fathom or accept that it is possible or trying to justify it or make up excuses right? for they, certain they behaviors exactly there you go mm -hmm. or just be in a whole state of denial so you know over the years things like that really sort of stayed with me and I will put it away because I didn't start out to write a book that wasn't my intent but at all from that evening mm -hmm. did you get to go to any of the court proceedings well no did your family ever discuss any of the court proceedings? No. Now, no. he did get sentenced. Yes, he did. And he served? Not a lot of time, unfortunately, because again, back during that time, like the 1960s, things, life was very different back then. Domestic violence, even today, I don't know how much has changed today. Some things have, but a lot hasn't. But back then, when I was growing up, that was a way of life. That seemed to be like the norm, like, oh, okay, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he really didn't serve a lot of time. It, I believe it was like under six years yes. or something like that. And mm -hmm. that's not a lot of time for committing a murder, being a known domestic abuser, and then just taking someone else's life in front of your children. Not only that, in my grandmother's apartment, that was my yes. mother's mother mm -hmm. in her home. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
So again, over the years, a lot of things, they stayed with me. I journaled a lot when I was coming up and that was a secret, no one ever knew, but I journaled a lot. Okay. And it was just sort of like an organic evolution for me. I didn't set out to write about it, mm -hmm. but it was something, again, as I said earlier, that it was a story that just needed to be told. And because there is still this whole stigma that's attached to domestic violence and it's a taboo and it's a secret in the family and don't talk about it. And you have to talk about these things. You have to, you have to be able to just free your own self, but also let other people know that you're not alone. All right, now here on, in your book, mm -hmm. you said all those years of domestic abuse, my father inflicted upon our mother and then killing her in front of my brother and me mm -hmm. affected my mother's entire family. Yes, it did. So how did that yes, play did. out in, for instance, in your grandmother? My grandmother, she was sad a lot. She was angry, but I didn't know those emotions. I didn't know how to name them yeah. because again, I was a little girl. As, as a seven-year-old, you didn't know to connect but the dots. Exactly, yeah. mm -hmm. exactly. And sometimes I didn't understand why she would just be so mad sometimes. But that was pain. And there really is a distinct difference between being sad and being mad. You act out in a different way. But my grandmother was heartbroken. When I grew up and became a young adult, I started thinking about all of these things, especially when I would go to therapy or I would talk to my aunt and you know get help that I needed to understand and process. It helped me to understand myself. It helped me to understand other people. So did you, did you get that therapy as a child? Or was no, it something you chose as an no, adult? No, okay. that was later on in my okay. life. Okay. Here's what you miss when you're not in studio with That Anita Live. <laughs> Last stop on the bus to the first stop on the bus, right? And then you get on the seven train, last stop on the seven train, to the first stop on the seven train, 42nd Street, then you trans street, you transfer into the one. Do you want yes. It. <laughs> but then I make it up there. Okay, one second. How hard is it to deliver food? Please tell a man to just leave the food at the front there. Because you know I'm at the end of my toilet paper roll. And so I can talk to multi-generations, you know? I can. Ooh, I think it was when I talked to his wife. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I don't even mention this in a book. No, you didn't. <laughs> Please, spill the tea. You know. Did that. Come on. I love to have you in my audience. Because no one knew about therapy at that time and even back then if you talked about certain things that was taboo. a taboo mm -hmm. and it was a secret no that's family business y you know what I mean yeah. now a lot of people make excuses for domestic abusers mm -hmm. but you said frankly the source of his controlling behavior did not excuse the way he treated my mother behind closed doors or in front of her two kids exactly 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 we all struggle with something, you know what I mean? Because that's just a human condition. It's a human activity, but it doesn't excuse okay. that sort of behavior. It's wrong. You're still responsible for your own it's behavior. It's wrong. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To think that it's okay to try and control another human being, to think that 
beating someone up, knocking them upside their head, or trying to push them out of a window. It's Who okay. About your brother? How did he process? Well, not very well. And again, because I was a little girl myself, just trying to just sort of process and just deal with things that were happening all around me and still try to have some sort of a normal life. And thanks to my grandmother who played a huge role in my life, yeah. I didn't understand why my brother wasn't okay because I didn't understand trauma. I didn't know what that was. I didn't learn about that until later on. And I do a lot of reflecting in my book and going back, okay. Because I remember when I got a little bit older, it was important for me to figure out what happened to my brother. This talented, sweet, funny little boy. And then I realized my brother was traumatized like I was. We just showed it in different ways. What are some of the ways and that it exhibited his, itself in his behavior? Or in stealing, his life? lying, get into a lot of fights all of the time. Started using drugs very, very early. He would just be angry at me or lash out for no reason. And, and, and it just made me sad. It just made me so, so sad. And we never even talked about what we saw, what we experienced, what happened to us with one another. Mm -hmm. And what was really interesting when I started to conduct research, he was a classic case of yeah. a kid. Yeah. And as I said, we process it and experience it in different ways and mm -hmm. it spilled out in different ways. Mm -hmm. But he was a classic case of a little boy who experienced yeah. domestic violence. Now, you were able to process mm -hmm. and rebound and, and build strength from it. Yes. Did your brother also? No, unfortunately, okay. no. What are some of the ways that you have been able to, to, to garner the power in adversity? Like people that have gone through this mm -hmm. but are suffering silently. Yes. What are some of yes. the techniques or the tips that they can take from your experience mm -hmm. to try and better their mm -hmm. own lives? I have to say I did suffer silently for a great deal of my life as well. But for me, again, my aunt who played a significant role in my life, um, Faith, at first I had hated God. I want nothing to do with God, period, yeah. because I blame God for what happened, but yeah. learned later on that God gave all of us the gift of free will, and we decide how we're going to navigate through this life. We decide what we're going to do and not going to do. So once I began to understand those things, and my aunt was able to find, you know, a therapist that was a good fit for me. Sometimes it wasn't the right fit, and okay. I would change and see someone else. Mm -hmm. But I had this desire inside of me, I wanted to live. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew that I wanted to make it. I didn't even know what I wanted to be when I was going to grow up, but I knew what I didn't want to be. Okay. I knew what I didn't want to do. Just from the things that I witnessed around me, I knew that, no, I don't want to be that. No, I don't want to do that. And there was this power that was inside of me and I realized that power and that strength that sort of arose out of the adversity. It's like, let me give you a, an analogy or an example. Okay. You know, you can just be so tired and so angry of making the same mistake over and over again or mm -hmm. trying something and it's just not working out and you decide, you know, I'm just so tired of being tired. I want to get something done about this. It's sort of like that kind of feeling and that's how I was feeling. And also just learning through therapy how I do have power. I can 
have a life and create it for myself and my adversity doesn't define me. And as I was growing up, going out into the world and seeing how my life was unfolding, although I was still falling on my face, I was still making mistakes, relationship mistakes, personal mistakes, Mm -hmm. but seeing that I was capable of having a good life and that I'm not what happened to me. Then I learned about shame how not to carry the shame of someone else's actions, although it was my father, who wouldn't be ashamed? It was a secret. I didn't want people to know. There were opportunities. Growing up without either parent. Exactly. And that was would ask, how did you respond? You know, as a ten year old, as a twelve year old. And you know, that's a very good question because I would go to my Nana, what should what should we say? What what should we do? And she would just say, Your mother was sick. She passed away, and if they want to know anything further, you tell them to come and see me. So it was something that, yeah, she was, <laughs> my Nana was something else. I love, I, so, I don't know where I would be without my Nana. I'm, I'm serious. Okay. I don't know okay. where I would be without my grandmother. Now, your father only served almost six years. Yeah. Did you have a Not relationship with him, or did he try to reach out no. to you after? At one time, yeah, actually, when he was released, he came down to where we, li- we where we were living mm-hmm. because we were moved from from Harlem and we were living down in the Lower East Side, and he did pay us a visit, and it was shocking because we don't know how he found out, but he found out where we were, where we lived, and came down. My grandmother didn't open the door, but she gave him a good tongue thrashing <laughs> through that door. Yes, she, she made did. some phone calls to relatives and mm-hmm. friends that were up in Harlem that knew mm-hmm. us and knew the tragedy and everything that happened because my grandmother was adored. She was loved and very well respected in the Harlem community. So during those times you would get on the phone make a phone call let them know what's going on and they said don't worry about it we will make sure we find him and let him know no you cannot do that Mm -hmm. but I was terrified terrified my brother started crying we were trembling and shaking because in my mind oh my god he came to take us he came to take us because those were some of the things that he used to say to my mother when we were little when he would come to the Bronx apartment that he was gonna take us. That she better not leave him because he would take us. Yeah, a lot of people are told that story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. We'll be right back to take questions from the audience. And we're back taking questions from the audience listening to the amazing story of Miss Sharon Alston. Question from the audience? Yes, my name is Nicole, I have a question for you. Hi Nicole. Hi. Wow, first of all, Uh, My favorite saying is, but God. Amen. So with you witnessing domestic violence at such a young age, Mm -hmm. I have to know, have you been in domestic violence personally as an adult in relationships? There was an incident when I was in my late teens, like early 20s, and I touch upon it in the book, but I only touch upon it because I didn't stay in it, where... I was in a relationship with someone and I was in love, we lived together and when he put his hands on me, I knew that I I had to leave. And it wasn't for a very long period of time, although we did go together for quite some time and there was no abuse during that time. However, when we lived together, he put his hands on me and I knew that I had to get out of there and I told my grandmother about it, but since that time, never ever again. Never ever again. My grandmother actually drilled that 
into my head as a young girl growing up because of what happened to my mom. And she didn't want to see me make the same mistakes. And also too, as I said, through the therapy and just really just turning back to God and asking for help and learning to love myself and realizing that I'm valuable and that that's not love. Love does not kill. Love does not give you black eyes. Love does not try to push you out windows. Love does not berate you or degrade you. So that was the only one time in my entire life. And it was for, as I said, a very short period of time because I knew better. I knew better. And that's not what I wanted for myself. Thank you. That's a I'm great curious, question. Thank you. I'm curious to know about the, the statistics. Yes. Like we know statistics about sexual assault mm -hmm. and stuff like that, but mm -hmm. I don't know statistics about domestic violence. Well, that information I don't have on me, but I do talk about BWI, Batted Women's Syndrome, BWS in the book, the steps and how women do stay because that was important for me because I needed to know why my mother stayed. And it was quite an education and it really also helped me not to be judgmental because I was very angry with my mom because she did stay and I felt that she didn't do enough to protect us but once I learned about bad at when, uh, women's syndrome there are steps to it first you begin to feel like it's your fault you, f you feel helpless and powerless you feel that you're going to be breaking up the family so there are a myriad of reasons why women do stay and it works on your psyche it really and truly it's a real thing because I remember when I was coming up I would always say not so nice things about women who would stay oh she's so dumb she's so stupid but once I started doing my research and learned about batted women's syndrome I said oh this is a real thing and it really helped me tremendously because I was able to forgive my mom it really freed me it liberated me and then I was also able to look at women who experience it in a whole different way and I'm always happy to educate someone and I currently volunteer uh, with a domestic violence awareness organization out in New Jersey, SOFIA, and it's a nonprofit organization that raises awareness about domestic violence. It offers workshops for families and children. It helps with housing and clothing and just a whole myriad of resources that are available. So it was an education for me and I was grateful for that education because when you are educated, that's your power and you can use that to push forward. And that's what I do. I use my power to push forward in my life, to speak power into the lives of others. And that's why I entitled my book, There's Power in Adversity, because there really is power in adversity. A lot of us don't know that. It could be lying dormant and we think that we're powerless because of what's, life can be really difficult sometimes, you know what I mean? But when you realize that for everything that happens in life, even if you don't know the reason for it, when you wake up, you're still here for a reason. And you can't believe that what happens to you is who you are because it's not true. Thank you. You're welcome. Good Call question. Yes. Did you ever forgive your father? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And I believe I did even put that in my book. I did. Who was the process Oh, absolutely. For that? Realizing who he was and what he did, that it wasn't my fault, and being ashamed is a human activity. However, I don't have to live a life of shame because I didn't do it. I'm not my father. My father is not me. And realizing the whole process of forgiveness and what it does, it really frees you. It liberates you so that you can push forward and move on with your own life. It doesn't condone the offense. It doesn't condone what was done because it's wrong and you don't have to forget it, but you can forgive and you can let it go so that you can heal and push forward. 
because we are responsible for ourselves at the end of the day. Look forward to more episodes. Go to thatanitalive.com for where and when to see those episodes.